0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Or now at the right point. Leaves it for Hedman. He's got room right He's circle. Room. Hedman knifing in front, oh. takes it behind the net. Wrapper on try. Score! It's Colton! Russ Colton! His first NHL goal!
1: I think the best word, way to describe it would be I kind of just blacked out right after the the play, but from what I remember, I think you know we had a good offensive zone shift going before that and uh, kind of just tried to fight to get to the front of the net and uh, you know Hedy uh, wheeled around there and kind of just put it in front and you know was always taught when I was younger just you know go to the dirty areas so just got in front and uh, tried to bang it home and luckily it went in so
0: uh, great play by Hedy for sure.
1: You always hear if you want to score in this league go to the front of the nets. And that is what Ross Colton did on that play. First game in the NHL. First goal on his second shift. It was a great play by Kulorn and Hedman making it happen. But you have to put yourself in a position to be successful, and he did. And what a night for him. What a night for the Tampa Bay Lightning as they come away with a nice win against the Carolina Hurricanes. 3 to nothing. back back-to-back wins against Carolina in regulation nonetheless. And they're back at it again one more time for this four-game series at Amelie Arena starting at 7 o'clock. I am Greg Linelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Erstink is producing. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. And Dave, a lot to dive into for this game, but you know, we've talked about younger players getting an opportunity to make an impact. And John Cooper always likes it when... That young player is playing in his first NHL game. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of excitement. And I'm not sure we anticipated Colton scoring on his second shift, but he did. And it was a big one.
0: Well, what were we saying yesterday about Colton? He's a guy who's a smart player. He can skate well. And I thought he showed that. He was not only rewarded with the goal, but it was the play that he made seconds before he scored that Phil Esposito kept talking about, which is he's locked up with Trocek, and he pushes off on Trocek just a little bit to give himself room and and, and gain position in that area right in front of the net. If he doesn't do that, when the puck gets to that area, he, he doesn't really have any room to shoot. Trocek is all over him. So that was a subtle little play, but, but a really smart play. And Phil was raving about that. I mean, the goal itself was the the icing on the cake, so to speak. But the reason that he was able to score the goal was he made that little push-off move, which he referenced in his post-game. He said, I use my body to, to get open. That's basically what he was saying. But that's a really smart play. Yep. And one that maybe you don't expect to see from a guy playing in his first NHL game on his second shift. But he did it. I thought he was very impressive throughout the night, though, Greg. It's not like he scored in the first period and then he was invisible the rest of the game. I thought he was decisive when he had the puck in his stick. I thought he was aggressive. He was direct in his skating. I thought that line came very close to maybe making some more plays. They were just a little bit off, like puck rolled off a stick or, or give Carolina credit, maybe a Carolina player just disrupted – Uh, a play that was almost about to be made. I thought Colton specifically, though, and that line more generally, and the team even more generally, had a really strong night last night. They
1: did. And, you know, who knows if he's back in the lineup again tonight. You would think he would be. And it's interesting, this little rotation that the Lightning have, Dave, when it comes to some younger players getting an opportunity to play. Alex Baraboulet, we thought, had a very nice debut a couple of nights ago. Ross Colton scores. We've talked about Jamel Smith chipping in every single time he plays and maybe to a bigger extent, Volkoff and Joseph, what they've done. Of course, Stevens is injured, but you do need competition in that bottom six. And I think the hope is eventually those guys settle in and maybe even perform a bit beyond expectations. But I think the lightning have a a nice competition brewing for, you know, a couple of uh, spots open that it's probably going to be narrowed down even more once Sorelli's back, which was a good sign the other day, skating with the team. So, Uh, You want to see that. You want to see the younger players push one another, and it seems like John Cooper has some decent options uh, when it comes to those players in, in the Lightning system.
0: You would think a guy who just scored his first NHL goal the night before would be back in the lineup. But what do we know? (laughs) We thought Barry Boulay would be back in the lineup after his performance on Monday. So maybe Coop is going to go to a bit of a rotation. It's certainly possible. And it is a back-to-back. So if he wants to get, let's say, Jamel Smith, he wants to put Jamel back in. Smith has not played since Saturday, so he certainly has fresh legs. Which is something I want to touch on today, Greg that this is the fourth game in six nights for the Lightning and the fifth game in seven nights for Carolina. And given the pace of play, especially last night, but that we've seen from the teams throughout this set, this four-game set that will end tonight, I'm just curious to see what the energy level will look like for both teams. But we can dive into that a little bit later. Yeah, I want
1: to get into that too, because I feel like you and and Phil might have been talking about this in the pregame, and it's something that we have discussed on this show when it comes to the safety of the players, not necessarily protecting them from COVID, although certainly they've taken precautions to do that. But I think one of the effects of trying to do that and suspending games and postponing games because you have an outbreak is that now you're going to have a rush to get all these games in at the end of the year. And I think Phil made the point, or it might have been you, Dave. I mean, hockey players just aren't equipped or might have been another GM or another was, coach was, who was talking bonus. about it it was, it was Rick bonus. bonus that's right I remember His you guys team were... is certainly
0: dealing with yeah a very condensed schedule I,
1: I mean we can get into this later but I think the point needs to be made I don't think the way the game is played today that hockey players are meant to play four games in a week consistently it happens often but this is going to be a race a sprint to the finish line and I think you do have to be concerned a bit about the players' health from that standpoint, more so, I think, at this moment than COVID. But we'll we'll dive into that a little later on because I do think it's going to be an interesting development tonight, Dave. What type of hockey are we going to see? I, I was talking about this. It's interesting you brought that up with Brian Engblom on the postgame show yesterday. And I asked him that question. I said, what do you expect? I mean, these are teams that have played a lot of hockey over the last week. We know they're in great condition, but the human body isn't equipped necessarily to play this type of sport Um, as much in a short amount of time. And, you know, he was making the point that we might see both teams be very cautious, you know, at the beginning and not want to make a mistake. And the team that really does get the first goal tonight, Dave, that might be really a big deal because how much push does the team have who's who's trailing? How much push do they have left in the tank to make a decent comeback? So we talk about getting that first goal, even a two-goal lead, Tonight, I I think, would be pretty big. And I
0: think we have to talk about what happened last night as it relates to tonight. Not so much who won, the Lightning won, but the amount of energy that was expended by both teams in that game because I thought last night's game was notable yeah. in that it was probably the fastest pace game, like pace of play. That was the fastest game I think that we've seen all year. It's incredible. And I know that so here's here's where I go off the main road. Like everyone's chugging down the main road, right? Like the Lightning played really well. Check, I agree. Carolina didn't get a lot of scoring chances maybe until the third. Check, I agree. I think there is a tendency though to say that Carolina did not play very well. I was seeing something on your favorite website this morning, Twitter, where somebody who was I think this this person was analyzing yeah. the the fancy stats and they were saying this was this was a rear end kicking basically by the lightning based on the fact that the hurricanes didn't have a lot of shots, they didn't have a lot of attempts. All of that from from a stat standpoint is correct. But here's where I come down on it. I thought Carolina actually played well. <laughs> I didn't think they played as well as maybe they, they could. And I'll, I'll break down where I think their game went sideways a little bit. But when we talk about Carolina or Florida or the Lightning, we talk about how quickly they're getting the puck up the ice, how, how quickly they're getting the puck into the offensive zone, how aggressive they are in the forecheck, how they make the other team uncomfortable, which is what you have described aptly. I was seeing that from Carolina last night, especially in the first period, but but really in the second period too. And then in the third period, they did have more activity going. So what was happening in the first period that they were, they were playing with speed? Like that was a very fast-paced first yeah, period. Was. So it's not like Carolina came out and was a step behind or they didn't have an effort or anything like that. I thought they were playing their game. The Lightning were able to match it. And and where the two teams diverged, I felt that the Lightning were able to, by matching Carolina's pace, particularly when they didn't have the puck, they were able to defend well. Better than if they had just been a half step behind. Carolina was flying. But the Lightning were flying too. And because of that, Carolina, I did not feel, had as much time and space to make plays when they had the puck. And for the Lightning, when the Lightning got the puck back, their passing was sublime. Their passing was so good, especially in the first period through most of the second. And that just neutralized what Carolina wanted to do. The Lightning got the puck, it was like, bing, 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 out of the zone. And we could see on the two goals, they made great passing plays. I mean, Killorn's pass to Hedman was a great pass. I know it happened like six, seven seconds before the goal happened, but that created confusion, I think, on the Carolina side in terms of how they were going to defend this thing. And then Victor, of course, charges behind the net. And what about the pass Maroon made on the, the Blake Coleman goal? Beautiful. But So those are highlight plays. But I think the Lightning were passing that well throughout the first two periods for sure i'm not going to include the third because i think carolina made a push there and and they were a little bit more successful in disrupting some place also it's hard to maintain that so i guess i look at the game this way i'm going to use a tennis analogy okay i love tennis Let's all do right it. so you know in tennis a guy can or a gal can, can serve an ace. You can also serve a service winner where they Correct. bomb a serve and, and the returner gets a piece of it. It's not a clean ace, but basically right. it's a winner. I thought Carolina was serving up big serves and the Lightning were returning them last night. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. It's not like Carolina was spinning in second serves because sure. they couldn't hit a first serve. They were playing with pace and the Lightning reaching a very high level. It is hard to do. Very high level. I thought matched that. And and the difference was Carolina was not able to defend as well against the Lightning speed as the Lightning were able to defend against Carolina speed. I this think- is one person's opinion. But well, that's how it, I saw those first two periods the game. <laughs> unfold. Well, I understand that. <laughs> you had a front-row you front like, well, seat. Why did know, Carolina not have more shots? Why did they not have more shot attempts? Why did they not have more scoring chances? Because the Lightning defended that well. But it wasn't well, like Carolina served it up for the Lightning. All they had to do was sit back and and disrupt plays. They had to work for it, the Lightning. So and I, they I earned, agree with you. They, earned, they earned what they got in terms of the low shot total against and the low chance total against. Vasilevsky said after the game, I didn't have much to do in the first two periods. That's because the team in front of him was playing lights out. Well, and, and Dave, I think
1: this is where, even though, as you've said, and as I said, the Carolina we've, we think is a really good team, they make me uncomfortable, maybe more so than any team in that division. In a seven-game series, the Lightning are the better team because of their talent. So both teams, to your point, the first couple periods, especially that first, was an amazing period. Yeah. I mean, how could you look at that period? period
0: and say Carolina played terribly? They didn't. But even no. Car-
1: what I'm saying is Carolina's best, even when Tampa Bay is playing their best, it's not going to be good enough on most nights. And I thought the Lightning matched that to your point. Their passing was better. You mentioned, look, Carolina. If they were playing against another team, Dave, who wasn't as sharp or as talented as Tampa Bay last night's, I know this is somewhat of a hypothetical, that score could be a lot different. But there Or if know. the Lightning hadn't reached that level, Correct. which we've also seen this year. Correct. But when the Lightning reached their level, even if the other team reaches their high end level, the Lightning are probably still the better team. And now, factor in, okay, let's say you're, you're hitting those big serves, and let's say you're getting through to the Lightning. You still got to deal with Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah,
0: Vasilevsky, there's no goalie in tennis, right? No, there's no goalie <laughs> That wasn't in a great analogy. So there's no goalie in tennis, but
1: you know what? You still have to deal with the most important player at times on the ice, and I thought Vasi in the third period yes. was outstanding, and he was like that in the previous game. I mean, you just ask Warren Fogle, who had a couple of grade-A scoring opportunities. What was the left pad save that we saw in the third period was just phenomenal. That's kind of vintage... Vasilevsky, Dave. You know another goaltender, even a high-level one, maybe lets that goal in. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's what makes Tampa Bay such a tough out in in any series, but particularly a seven-game series, is that you play so well, you get through their their forwards and their defense. You're you're clicking on all cylinders. You know, Vasilevsky can steal you a game. I'm not sure Carolina's goaltenders can. Alec Campbell came on the show yesterday and. Pretty much made that that statement. Those guys, that see, that's the game. If we had Alec back on today, that's the type of game he'd say. Listen, I, I really can't fault Carolina. I mean, they did exactly what they need to do. They spent some time in Tampa Bay zone zone. They push play. You know, they didn't they didn't have to defend too too much, and their goaltenders made some pretty good saves. The problem is sometimes. Most of the time, talent is going to win out with hard work. And the Lightning had both of those things on display last night. And I think if you're Rod Brindamore, you're probably looking at last night and saying, yeah, I, I really can't fault my team. That's, that's just the better team over there. And I, well, I think you, you last see what happens night, tonight.
0: Last night, the Lightning were the better team. The game in Raleigh on Saturday, Carolina was the better team. Yeah, And, and I guess I would say this. I, I actually felt Nedeljkovic played very well last night. He did. Because the Lightning even after they scored their first two goals did generate chances. Even the third period they had they only had four shots before the empty netter, but you think about Stampkos, <laughs> that chance right in front, right? Volkov off a of faceoff had the chance in front. Back in the second period, Yanni Gord had that shorthanded breakaway Nadelkovich made a really good blocker save on him. Nadelkovich played well. I don't know that we can say that, you know, the goaltending let Carolina down last night. I think the, the bigger issue for the Hurricanes was, at the risk of repeating myself, the Lightning were able to match the, the pace of Carolina when Carolina was on the attack and defend at that level, whereas Carolina struggled. In that regard and it's not easy to do so it's not like they 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 disappointed because they couldn't do that it's hard when a team is really playing that fast to keep up and and not allow chances but the Lightning had way more scoring chances than Carolina did last night again that stat that can be hard to quantify but you look at the opportunities and we can say objectively, yeah, the Lightning definitely had more chances to score than Carolina. But Carolina had some chances to your point. And if Fogle scores there maybe about halfway through the third, it's two to one. Who knows what happens? I will say this, the the hurricanes were more dangerous in the third than they were in the first or the Agreed. second in terms of their 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 chance total, even though their shot number was close, eight in the first, eight in the second, nine in the third for Carolina. Their quality looks were better in the third, but it was not as dangerous as the game on Monday, a game in which they had 17 third-period shots. So if we're looking for marginal improvement for the Lightning against a team that that makes a push, which Carolina did, I thought the Lightning did a better job last night dealing with that surge, maybe because they had a two-goal lead instead of a one-goal. I don't know. I'm just telling you, I think that there weren't quite as many grade-A looks that Vaslovsky had to deal with, but there were more in the third period than there were earlier in the game.
1: And, you know, not not to spend a lot of time on the game last night when it comes to Carolina's point of view, Dave, but I'm wondering if Nadalkovich, if they give him a little longer look in nets because if that is the perceived weakness of that team, we know Murazik is an accomplished veteran, but I don't think he's a guy that can win you a bunch of playoff series. Maybe he proves me wrong. I'm just curious if the way Nadalkovich has played, particularly against the Lightning, which I think has been impressive, if not solid, if they give him a few more starts to see what they actually have in here. Because if they find out that there's something deeper in this kid who was a very accomplished goaltender in the minor leagues, then that's another problem that is potentially solved within the organization, and you don't have to do this going back and forth with, is it Reimer, is it Mrazek, and and hope one of those guys get hot. I don't know. I, I think, assuming they don't really play poorly in front of him and lose a bunch of points and lose a bunch of ground in that division, I mean, obviously the goal is to get into the playoffs, but I'm just curious, the way he's played, you wonder if he can be the guy that gets a few more starts for them.
0: Well, he's had two good games against the lightning. I can't speak to yeah. his other performances coming in, I think he had a record of one, one, and one, and his his other numbers were not great. Remember we had talked about Carolina's struggles in terms of goals against heading into the lightning series. and now with the empty net or another game in which they've allowed three or more. but really it was it was two. Although it could have been more if not for Nedeljkovic, which is, I guess, a good sign. Phil talked about that last night. I can't remember if he said it on the air or not. But, you know, Nedeljkovic is a second-round pick. He won the top goalie award in the American Hockey League in the 18-19 season, which was also the year that the Hurricanes AHL team Charlotte did win the Calder Cup. So, I mean, they had a really good year as a team, but he also won – the, uh, the top goalie award and Jake Bean won the top defenseman award that same year. So he does have a championship to his name. And what Phil said was that he had heard on Sirius XM, they were talking NHL hockey and, and they were wondering why Don Waddell had not gone out to try and find a goalie. Either before this year or maybe after Morozov got hurt, and, and Phil was speculating. Well, maybe they, the Waddell knew he has Nedelkovic, right? Yeah. And and they may be feeling good about their goaltending depth in terms of where they are moving forward. But uh, I guess counter to that, it's clear that Alex Nedelkovic was at the start of this year the third guy in the depth chart. Correct. It's not like he was pushing to be the the main guy heading into this year. So. If they do feel that they have a pretty good one in him, they certainly aren't rushing him along. But maybe this 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 stint where he's getting into games regularly will make them. Yeah, you never know. Change their mind about yeah, that. Yeah, you never know until
1: you throw somebody in there and see what he can do. I mean, at some point you have to find out about the guy who's again probably accomplished more than he can down at the AHL level. Now it's time to find out what he can do. And as I said before, Morazik and Reimer are nice goaltenders, but you know the difference between these two teams, the Lightning and Carolina. Tampa Bay's got an all-world goaltender. Carolina has an NHL goaltender. And I think those are two very, very different things. Paul chimes in. uh, If you want to react to anything we've had to say, you can at Bolts Radio. Can you think of a game so early in the season that felt as close to a playoff game as this one?
0: Well, it certainly had the pace. Now, not every playoff game is going to be that frenetic of a pace sometimes playoff games have high intensity but they aren't quite so quick I think it depends on the teams playing but that was a very entertaining game and and I say that understanding that on the other side the Hurricanes are probably looking at that game and saying that was disappointing that they only had 25 shots and they couldn't score etc cetera, et cetera. they had some breakdowns I thought from an entertainment standpoint to watch these teams skate the way that they did, I thought the the entertainment value was high. Is it the closest thing we've had to a playoff game so far this year? That's that's hard for me to assess right now because we aren't in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I don't want to
1: cheapen the playoffs too in terms right. of the intensity there, and and I sometimes. Uh, I will say this. When you have a shorter season, there's no doubt the games take on a bigger importance. And it's one of the reasons, getting off topic a little bit, the NFL is so popular in many ways. Because you're only playing a small amount of games. And if you go on a three or four game losing streak, the chances of you getting into the playoffs are really hard. And so that's why I think there's an intensity level that other sports can't match because of the longevity issue that they run into for obvious reasons. But with the Lightning and the NHL having to makeshift a bit here because of COVID and the schedule, 56 games does raise the bar, Dave. Now, within that 56-game schedule, when you have these four-game series, can it feel even more intense than a regular game in in the regular season? Of course. Does it have the same playoff feel? You know what? I'll meet you halfway. If this is towards the end of the regular season and you've got some teams jockeying for that final spot or, you know, a couple of points separate them and seating becomes a bigger deal than, than you believe, I could I could meet you halfway and say, you know what, yeah, that does have the feel for it. I'm also going to need to see fans in the stands for that to happen though too because that's that's what makes playoff games amazing as well. It's not only the players going 110%, Dave, But when you have the audience and the fans on top of you cheering every move, gasping at everything, to me, I think that also adds the element of playoff hockey. We just we don't have that right now. But I do think the intensity is higher than what you would typically see.
0: And what will we see tonight, which is kind of what I introduced, what, about 15 minutes ago? And I will state up front. I will be pleasantly surprised, but I will be surprised if we see a game at the same pace as the one we saw last night. Yeah. And that's where the 4 and 6 and 5 and 7 and a back-to-back might come into play. It is very hard to play at that level for a sustained period of time and then to come back and do it again the next night. I will be pleasantly surprised if if we see that from both teams, and that is in their DNA, but I I, I am expecting something that is a little, little lower on the high octane, maybe.
1: Yeah, and it's not like, you know, in in other sports where, you're, where you can, you know, sit five guys and, and put five other guys in a game. I mean, you're, you're basically, you can bench a couple of guys if you want to to give them a rest, but what you have last night is basically what you're going to see tonight. So it's just a matter of, The human body responding and, you know, whether you have your legs or not, as Brian Engblom was saying last night, too, sometimes you have them and sometimes you don't. You know, Yanni Gore, he thought was was flying. And uh, most nights he is. But there are some nights where it just doesn't work. And that happens. And we could see that tonight. We might not. We'll we'll find out. I, I think it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Bob chimes in. He says, two goals by two players that no one would have expected, but let's remember how well Coleman played in the last game, too. think you and Dave mentioned six shots in that game. And Blake Coleman continues. I think he's had the shooter mentality here the last couple of day, games, Dave, but I'm always intrigued when Coleman, I, I don't want to say plays with uh, other skilled players, I think there is another level to him, and it's always intriguing when they acquired him from the Devils because this is a guy who had scored 20 goals, and that is hard to do in today's league. And you think there is another gear for him to get to when it comes to his goal scoring on this team. And I think switching up the lines, you know, might have benefited a guy like Coleman a bit more in terms of getting back to being a shooter and making some more plays offensively.
0: That was a nifty finish, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't try and do too much with that. He basically just redirected the puck right into the net. He's been really good. I I think he's been really good all year, whether he's playing with Gord and and Barkley Goodrow or more recently playing with Pilot and Point. Penalty kill, certainly. PK has been really good this year. I I know they had a little bit of statistical wobble at the start of the year. In fact, I think our first conversation with Rob Zettler came when the Lightning were... (laughs) It's kind of like the penalty kill was was coming up with big kills, but statistically they were allowing a goal here, allowing a goal right. there. So their overall percentage wasn't great. Now they are up there. I mean, they're in the top, the top five in penalty kill, and they had two big kills last night, and Coleman is a huge part of that. And now he's getting a chance on the power play the last couple of games and showing what he can do on the power play. So remember that play I talked about, from Monday's game where I thought it was a line change because it was Johnson, Coleman, and Barry Boulay. And I was talking about Barry Boulay made a good play to Coleman who decided to shoot instead of trying to pass it across to Johnson. And at the time when I said it, I think this was on yesterday's show, I said that – or Tuesday's show, I should say – I said that it was a weird line change that, that Coleman had come on for someone. It wasn't. It was the power play unit. And that's probably why I couldn't remember why those three guys mm-hmm. were together. But – Coleman was in a position to score there too, and he did score last night. So it's hard to it's hard to pick at any parts of Coleman's game this year. I just think that he has brought a very high level consistently, pretty much from day one. And it's nice to see him get rewarded with some goals and points.
1: George wants to know how do you think Volkov has looked over the last week since he scored a couple of goals? I think he's looked a little more confident. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're I noticing him get some scoring opportunities or get some shots on nets. I think you mentioned Dave uh, how sturdy I think he's looked too. I mean, I think he's a that's impressed me a bit. I think he's a guy that could go to the net a bit more cuz I think he's got some size and I think the hands are there for him to get some dirty goals. I mean, we know he's a skilled guy, but I've been impressed a little bit with his sturdiness and being willing to to mix it up a bit. And I think if we saw that a little bit more, I think Volkov might get rewarded a bit more in these games. Not that you're totally looking for that from him, but I think he's been okay since uh, those couple of goals
0: he scored. His most dominant game was the game after he scored his first goal. And I'll use the word dominant. I thought he was the Lightning's best player. That was in an otherwise forgettable performance probably for the Lightning, the 6-4 home loss to Florida. But Volkov had two goals and was extremely dangerous and confident. Since then, he has not reached that same level, but it's not like his play has dipped substantially. And I think I mentioned that Maroon, Volkov, and Colton, I thought were were very close to making some plays last night that just didn't quite, like the puck, they couldn't quite settle it down, or a Carolina stick was in the way at, at the the last instant to disrupt a play. Having said that, I thought the line generated a lot of good activity if they didn't generate actual scoring chances as a line Colton's goal came when he jumped out on the ice and Kalorn and Stampgos were, were still out there so he he had come out early for his next line uh, shift and and was out on the ice when he scored the goal but for those three guys together I thought they had a lot of ozone time I thought that they like I just said were close to making some plays and, and felt they had some pretty good chemistry for for three guys who have never played together before because yeah I'm pretty sure that Maroon and Volkov and Colton, that's never been a line. Maybe Volkov and Colton played together a little bit in Syracuse, but Maroon wasn't there. And Maroon and Volkov have played together at the NHL level this year, but never before with with Ross Colton before last night. You know, Dave,
1: Maroon is an interesting guy because when you watch him and his skill sets, you can make the argument that if he was faster, would be on a top six. I mean, you just watch him. He has an idea of where to go with the puck. I, I think his hands are, are very soft, and I think he yes. can make some plays for a big guy that you're like, wow. But because of the lack of speed and the type of game he plays, he's on a fourth line, at least on this team. And I think that's in many ways a luxury for the Lightning because it, it, it to me it's, it's almost a contradiction. You have this big guy with soft hands and probably could be in a top six. If he was just faster, but how many players are like Maroon that have that skill set that are playing on a fourth line? Uh, not many. A lot of guys are, are pluggers and, you know, they'll, they'll bang in, and, and maybe they're really fast, but maybe they can't finish. Or, you know, they, they do something else where they win faceoffs, but they don't do much else. Maroon actually, I, I think, if not top six, has top nine skills at the forward position. I think he's a good shot. I think he's a very good passer. I think he's a guy that can dangle with the puck. But because of the lack of speed, he can't really put him up there too many times. And so he's on the fourth line on this team. And I do think it gives that fourth line a different look than most fourth lines out there.
0: Those hands are why he's on the power play. <laughs> yeah. And He's not just a big body who stands in front of the net. He can make nifty plays around the net. And we've seen that from him already and that touch pass to Yanni Gord is a great example that he knew where to go with the puck and he was able to execute it. So your assessment is is good. John Cooper has talked about how silky smooth. That has been a huge asset for him in, in getting to where he is as an NHLer this year. Yeah, well, it's, for it's, his career and this year too.
1: It's impressive. And it's, it's a nice luxury to have. This comes from... Uh, John, he said, are you surprised by Barkley Goodrow's point total so
0: far this year? Meaning what exactly? That he has four goals?
1: He's got eight. He's got eight points through 17 games. He's got a a plus eight. Four goals through 17. I mean, you take a look at his career total. He's got eight and 62 for San Jose back in 2019, 2020. And that was also with Tampa Bay, of course. So um, I've been... I, I think he's another guy. I've been pleasantly surprised. Maybe it's just another year with this team. But I, I think when Julian Breezewa made those moves, Dave, there were a lot of people on our favorite website, Twitter, <laughs> that really disliked what Tampa Bay gave up to get guys like Coleman and Goodrow. And I didn't mind it at the time because you're trying to win now. But I didn't, I didn't think... Coleman and Goodrow were this good and I think to their credit they fit in very well and they both have roles but I I think Coleman has another level to get to offensively and I think we're starting to see that and I've told you before I think with Goodrow I, I think there's still some untapped potential there and maybe he never becomes a 15 goal scorer but you know he's not just a guy taking up a sweater Every game. I mean, he does a lot of good things in addition to sticking up for teammates, which I like a lot as well, that uh, I've been really impressed with. And if you were to tell me to make that trade again and give up what Tampa Bay had to give up, I mean, I think you'd, you'd make that trade again.
0: He has some sneaky skill, and you have talked about that, Greg. You you would like to see him up that goal total, and you think he has it in him. The breakaway score. Goal he scored against Sergei Bobrovsky in the Lightning's win in Sunrise. I know it was the sixth goal in a six-one win, but it was still a pretty nice finish. Yeah, and we've talked about this a couple of times. He ended Vegas' season a couple of years ago, scoring in overtime of Game Seven for San Jose, finishing on kind of a breakaway. I mean, it was a, I think it was a turnover just outside the Vegas blue line, and, and Goodrow was able to get the puck from a teammate and, and come in basically by himself from the blue line in. But, you know, his four goals this year, two have been into empty nets, including last night. Yes. So you're like, all right, wow, well, four goals, two empty netters. Well, why is he scoring an empty net goal? Because he's out there when the Lightning are protecting a lead and the other team has pulled the goalie. Right? Like, that's why he's out yeah, there. So, right, right. I mean, there's a reason why he is in that role, and that is really his bread and butter, which is – being a very, very strong defensive forward. He is an excellent penalty killer. He is very responsible defensively. He is a consistent puck battle winner, and he is hard to play against, which is why after the playoffs ended last year, he was one of the guys consistently that you – and me, and Phil, and everybody who covered the Lightning were talking about, oh my goodness, what a playoff for Barkley Goodrow. Remember how many goals he had in the playoffs last year? One. Yeah. He had a second. It was negated due to a very, very close offside that was an offside challenge. But he had one goal. So the Lightning played what? 22 playoff games last year. And if we were to say at the time of the trade, you know what the Lightning gave up a first-round pick, although they got a third, and that first-round pick did turn out to be 31st, so it wasn't it wasn't as wide a gap as as it could have been. But they gave up a first to get Barkley Goodrow, and at the time of the trade, we would say the Lightning are going to play 22 playoff games, and Barkley Goodrow is going to have one goal. You might say the Lightning gave up too much for this guy. Um but that wasn't the case after sorry, watching sorry my dog my dog was barking who there. let the dogs out <laughs> yeah.
1: but that was one of those things where you have to watch
0: Barkley Goodrow play
1: game in a speaking and game of bark
0: barkley <laughs> yeah, that's Good. right to my, appreciate. my dog understood that we were that's talking right. about talking about somebody else but she was she was attracted to that but barkley goodrow is a guy that will come up big for you in the playoffs, which is what I was trying to say. Yes. Regardless of how many goals he may score, he is the sort of player that will excel in the sorts of games that you usually have in the playoffs. And he can pop in a big goal. So I guess the question was, are we surprised by his point total? I don't don't know if I'm surprised. I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I think that he is doing what is expected of him, though. And that is the most important thing. With one notable exception, and this is interesting, he has consistently been a face-off guy over 50% during his time with San Jose. He has struggled on draws this year. Yeah. Now, some of that, he's taking a lot of draws strictly on penalty kill. He's not taking a regular face-off five on five. And of course, you know, the power play team gets to pick which side, and and their guy gets to put the stick down second, the power play guy, as opposed to the penalty kill guy. But that is a that is a dip for Goodrow in terms of face-off percentage. So we'll see if he can he can pull that up. But part of it, too, may be that he was taking draws more regularly with the Sharks, and he has not done so with the Lightning. You know, I want to ask you about
1: face-offs, too, before we go to break, at Pulse Radio. Do you feel like faceoffs? you know, the, the great ones, Patrice Bergeron, maybe it just it doesn't matter. I think Sidney Crosby's probably along that level. Steven Stamkos, we've seen how good he can be the last couple of years. How much of that, though, Dave, is... Your line mates coming in and helping you compared to maybe your actual physical abilities of winning a faceoff cleanly. I know, I know the the, the politically correct answer. Maybe it's it's a little bit of both. But do you gauge there's maybe one's a little bit more important than the other when it comes to faceoffs? Well, it is both.
0: Them? No, it is both. Um, but everything is a matter of degrees. So let's take Bergeron, whose technique is maybe the best there is in the league and I confess I don't I can't get into the weeds on the technique right. but I know he's strong in his stick he times it well uh in talking with with other centermen who have gone up against Bergeron he doesn't really vary things he just does the same thing basically sure. every time and is really really good at it so a guy like Bergeron will win a percentage of face-offs on his own more than most other players so we're gonna We're going to divvy up the the chocolates, okay? So there's a bunch of chocolates in the middle of the table. Those are the face-offs. Bergeron is taking some of those chocolates right off the bat because he's that good and he's just winning them on his own. Then there are going to be a bunch of chocolates that aren't won cleanly for either team. So that is where if Bergeron has a 50-50, he is relying on his teammates to come in and get the puck. So he's going to supplement his already large advantage of chocolates with some more chocolates, right? (laughs) Right. So that gets him, let's say he wins, you know, 52% on his own cleanly of of this unforeseen number. So the other 48 have not been drawn yet. So let's say he's winning 52 just on his own right off the bat. Well, maybe his team is giving him another 10%. So now he's going to 62. All right. Because of those 50-50s. And the other team is stuck winning some on, you know, the rare the rare time or the 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 less than usual time that Bergeron loses a draw cleanly or some 50-50s that the other team happens to win. So I do think that it's both, but I guess I would answer your question by saying that it is more the centerman's ability and the 50-50 faceoff wins that our team wins. Supplement that percentage total. Jordan Staal is another one. I mean, Jordan stall yeah. and that one, he's got a long reach. He's really strong. You could see him muscle the puck to his advantage, like he outmuscles his opponent often, as well as having good technique because he's yep. got really good timing and and all of that. But he's right up there too. Faceoffs. It's a fascinating part of the game, and it really can
1: change the difference on how a game is is developing and as we know with power plays too, you know, one of the reasons why teams can be really successful with power plays if you win those face offs. I mean, that's just brutal when you don't. And I know Phil Esposito talks about that a lot. And the Lightning struggled broadcasts. last yeah. night on draws. Interestingly yeah, they very the, good.
0: the one game in this in this mini series so far, the three games, the one game where the Lightning won more than fifty percent of the face offs was their worst game so far. Yeah the game On Saturday, it was not their worst game this year, but it was their worst game of the three for sure. And arguably, their best game (laughs) on last night was the one in which they struggled the most in the circle. But it's still important. You can overcome it, but it certainly helps out if you can win more faceoffs than you lose.
1: When we return, we'll take a quick break at Bolts Radio because that's what the bosses tell us to do, to pay the bills. And that's what we want to do for you. Tampa Bay, a plus 23 goal differential in the NHL. We'll tell you where that ranks amongst other teams. What do you make of the Discover Central right now? Florida atop the standings by one point over Tampa Bay. Then you've got Carolina and Chicago behind Tampa Bay, rounding out the top four. We'll talk about those issues and so much more. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
1: It's interesting, Dave. We're looking at the standings, you know, right now. And there were a lot of people last week maybe that were panicking a bit. And, you know, Tampa Bay struggling against some of the better teams in the division. Lightning are plus 23 in goal differential. It's the best in the
0: NHL. That's they've had some impressive. they've had some lopsided wins this year and that'll help. Yeah. In that regard, even against I mean the Florida series, sure. By any metric was probably not ideal for the Lightning, but they did win the one game they won 6 to 1. So that's a plus 5 right there.
1: Florida's leading the division with 26 points, Tampa Bay second with 25, then Carolina at 25 and then Chicago with 24 and they're kind of hanging around even though they've played a couple more games than Tampa Bay. Uh, Dallas, who uh, you know, hopefully we're going to see her soon. 14 games played, Dave. They've got 16 points, and you know they're a team that you're curious to see what their final games played total will be at the end of the year. But anything sticking out for you when it comes to the Discover Central right now? I think Chicago for me, based off of what we saw earlier, as um, they started to play a lot better.
0: I guess so. Uh, I mean, I, I confess I haven't watched a lot of their games really any of their games i've seen some highlights here and there since the lightning saw them in the first two games of the regular season but they'll be seeing chicago coming up here that three game series all in chicago is on the schedule for next week and yeah, that March road trip yeah that road yeah. trip turned into a six game road trip we didn't really touch on some of the schedule changes the lighting had
1: now well, let's dive into it if you want yeah
0: the, so the league the league Did adjust some of the games. That happened yesterday, so I said we didn't talk about it yesterday. But the Lightning will play Carolina tonight and then Dallas Saturday. That was originally going to be a two-game series at home against Dallas with the second game Monday. Now that game is no longer at Amelie Arena, and it's no longer Monday. Now the game is Tuesday in Dallas, followed by three in Chicago and two in Detroit. So that's a six-game road trip for the Lightning And then uh, I believe that they ended up netting one extra back-to-back when all was said and done. I misspoke yesterday. I I talked about their final week and a half of the regular season, saying they had three back-to-backs in there. It's two back-to-backs, so it's not quite that busy. But it seems like with every one of these schedule adjustments, the Lightning are getting more back-to-backs added. This is the second one they're wrapping up tonight. And then they will have seven more. And the next one is that Chicago series where they play two in a row in Chicago. I think it's Thursday, Friday, and then the final game is Sunday afternoon. So, you know, it is more condensed. It is not as condensed as what Rick Bonus was talking about with his team. And I forget what the numbers were, but it was something like, what have they played? How many games, Greg? 14. 14. So this would have been before then. So they had 13. So 43 games left it was something like forty-three games in seventy-five days or something like that. And that's what prompted Rick Bonus to talk about how hockey was not a sport that was meant to be played four times in six days repeatedly. But he said this is what this is what we've got. So yeah. we're the league did the best that it could. I mean, that's basically what he said. He wasn't blaming the league. He just said, you know, circumstances have forced the league's hand and they did the best they could and we have to deal with it. They
1: do. And you factor in the playoffs then after that, it, it really will be interesting to see physically how teams are once the playoffs start. Because as we know, the intensity raises quite a bit when that happens and you're coming off a condensed schedule.
0: That's true. Uh, as well. Yeah. I if you can get is, into the playoffs, what's your energy level yeah, going to look like?
1: I think that's a real, uh, I don't want to say concern. I don't want to blow it up because we just don't know how they're going to react. But You know, the the human body can only take so much, and I am curious to see how that all unfolds. It does appear, uh, Dave, that Curtis McElhaney will be getting the opportunity to start tonight. There had been some talk that maybe he was going to get that start yesterday, and we had seen John Cooper sometimes, you know, go that route with a backup goaltender going first, uh, the first game of a back-to-back. But um, he did say that, you know, uh, both goaltenders were going to play in this setting, and I think for McElhaney... Uh, you know, an opportunity, obviously, going against his former team. But I, I think, you know, in a game like this, it's interesting because if, you're, if your team doesn't have the legs, they could be giving up some scoring chances both ways. And, you know, your goaltender might be called upon to to steal you a game. And I think for McElhaney, what's funny about this, and goaltenders say this all the time, I'm not sure, Dave, they like games where they only see, like, 15 to 20 shots. I think they actually like seeing a lot of rubber. Now, they, they don't want to see quality scoring chance after quality scoring chance, but this might be a game where McElhinney has to stop 34, 35 shots for the Lightning to maybe pull off and, and get a couple of points. And, and maybe the same thing, too, for for Carolina's goaltender, whoever that is tonight. But I will be interested to see what type of game McElhinney has tonight and, and how well Tampa Bay plays in front of him.
0: Yeah, so I guess the, the two parts of this are What will the pace of play look like related to the energy level? And I think I said I would be pleasantly surprised if it matches what we saw last night. But surprised. Pleasantly surprised, but surprised. Then the other part is, we talk about this when you get into playoff overtimes and you get into multiple overtimes. A tired player is more likely to make a mistake whether it's a mental mistake or a physical mistake. So even if the pace of play is not quite what we saw last night, and just to reemphasize, it may be. I mean, I don't know know what we're going to get tonight, but given the frequency of the games, I don't know that we are going to – I don't know that we should expect to see what we saw last night in terms of the the frenetic pace that, that we saw for much of that game but if we do see more mistakes made then that may gift wrap scoring chances at a higher frequency for these teams so will we see kind of a a slog game where it's you know kind of sloppy and choppy and there just aren't a lot of shots which you can have sometimes when you have two tired teams or will there be some key mistakes made at critical points on the ice that invite scoring chances and maybe invites shot attempts? So we'll have to wait and see. But usually, like what I go back to is in the American Hockey League, you know, you'd know, you see three games in three nights. And you would play the different, different opponents. You weren't usually seeing the same opponent. But you'd play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because it's a weekend league, so they wanted to have the games on the weekend. So that third game often was against an opponent that was also playing its third game. and There's usually travel in there. And there's a huge difference in the quality of play between a Sunday game at 5 and that Friday game at 7. As you would expect, right? Sure. The the players are just trying to get through that game best they can. I think it actually helps the players too. I've heard players say that yeah, you get through a three and three in the American Hockey League on a regular basis, and the notion of playing a back-to-back at the NHL level, even though the quality of play is higher, it, it helps toughen you up for the rigors of an NHL season, because the rigors of an AHL season, in many ways, are more rigorous. You, you don't have three and threes with travel at the NHL level. So I'm used to seeing the sort of hockey, or at least was used to when I was in the American Hockey League, and it could be an ugly game. I don't know that we're going to get an ugly game tonight, but I would I would not be surprised I would I would be I would be less pleasantly surprised <laughs> if we see an uglier game tonight. I certainly hope we don't see an ugly game, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if that's what the teams are able to produce based on how often they have played in recent yeah. days.
1: We'll have to brace ourselves for whatever we see tonight, and it's going to start at six o'clock with Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelius at six thirty. We'll have the pregame, and then of course seven o'clock, Dave and Phil. Uh, Dave, a couple of national uh, news items to get to, and we can just do some quick hinting on them. Claude Julien fired as coach of the Canadians. Now, look, we don't get to see Montreal a lot, obviously this year, but typically they're in the Lightning's division. Uh, Montreal, there was a lot of hype about the start to their season, and they won what eight two and two, and Tyra Toffoli was the talk of <laughs> yeah, Josh the Anderson world, and had Josh a good Anderson. start was really good, and they're now 9-5-4 four in fourth in the Scotia North Division. Um, again, we haven't seen Montreal play this year, but we've seen them over the years. We like Claude Julien as a coach, I know that, but Mark Bergevan, it's interesting. He's a guy that has made a lot of decisions over the last few years, and if you listen to people in Montreal, a lot of them haven't worked out, but somehow he's still calling the shots i'm, I'm intre- interested to see how quickly julian gets picked up or if he wants to continue coaching from here on out
0: phil and i were talking about that before the game last night and he said that montreal could miss the playoffs and i guess i hadn't really been paying that close attention to that yeah. canadian division because when we had scott Lachlan on at the start of the year but not the very beginning of the year it was <laughs> during this time that montreal got off to the hot start he made it sound like, yeah, I think it's kind of Toronto and Montreal. And then there are going to be some teams that will probably improve. But they seem to be the cream of the crop. And I was surprised to hear Phil say that, you know, Montreal is concerned that they may miss the playoffs. Now, they are in fourth, so they drop one more spot. And they're going to be in fifth. But, you know, Ottawa has, has had a tough time of it this year in terms of their record. And Vancouver has gotten off to a poor start. So those are two teams that are way down. But if you're Mark Bergevin, you have to look at, like Phil said, the standings, which way is your team trending, and do you feel that these problems are systemic and therefore you need a new voice, or fixable and it's just a mini slump? And clearly he felt it was the former, that he needed he needed a new direction in there. Maybe systemic's the wrong word. That makes it sound like the lineup configuration I- isn't going to work. But the the problems were, were below the surface of, let's just pick it up, boys. Which sometimes you need, right? We've seen sure. the Lightning go through a little stretch where they are played dipped, and they've been able to rebound in the last couple of games. For sure, they've played a lot better. Clearly Mark Bergman felt that the, the players needed a, a new voice and maybe a little bit of a new direction in terms of how they were going to play and, and and approach things. And that's why you make a coaching change.
1: Lastly, the NHL outdoors game, Dave, not a surprise. Had record ratings on NBCSN. Now, we do know the issues they had delaying uh, the game with, what, Colorado and Vegas, and that had to be played at uh, midnight Eastern time. And the reason why I bring that up is because I know there are a lot of people that still want the lightning to have an outdoor game or be I I think at least a participant in an outdoor game and I think just because we saw delays with the weather and some people may be thinking that you know maybe that's not what's going to happen here in Tampa Bay because the weather is just not conducive to it I kind of look at it the other way Dave I I think if the Lightning were to host an outdoor game you may have to play it at like 11 o'clock at night or at midnight but you know, it's not something you're doing all the time and just make it a big event. And I think you'd have a sold out crowd wherever that game is. I think it is doable, but I'm curious what you think when it comes to the outdoor game here in Tampa. And I think at the very least, at some point, the league's got to look at Tampa Bay and say we have to have them participating
0: in one of these as a road team, potentially as can. a road team. Yes. Yes. Well look, the the issue in Lake Tahoe was the sun, right? Correct. I mean if I'm not misstating things, the the sun was out and guess what happens to ice when the sun It is doesn't freeze. Down. No, it doesn't. So there may have been some concern about because it was Lake Tahoe is is the Pacific time, right? So it was 3 hours behind East Coast time. So maybe the league felt that it was not conducive to a television audience to put the game on at night because nighttime at Lake Tahoe is even later on the East Coast. Right. If a game were to be held in Tampa, and let's just be clear, they wouldn't hold it in March or April. I mean, they probably hold it in, what, December, January. And it can get, we can attest, it can get chilly at night here in december and january you can't predict what the weather is going to be like when you schedule one of these games months in advance but you have an idea of kind of what the range of the temperature would be and i think it would be it would be automatic absolutely have to be in the evening now does it have to be at 11 o'clock at night no we're in the east coast so in the winter with standard time when sunset sometimes what Five thirty, five forty-five, yeah. six o'clock, something like that. You could probably play the game at seven or seven thirty. The sun would be safely down. You don't they have to worry about the sun melting the ice. I mean, right before I, Christmas I, break. W- what I'm saying is, you can. You, it is doable. I think it is doable. Whether the league wants to do it. Because of potential complications, particularly when they've just had complications in their Lake Tahoe game, at least one of them, they may be a little gun shy about going to a warm weather city. But if you're asking me, is it doable, I think it is doable without any sort of meteorological background (laughs) if you have it after sunset and in what we would say are our winter months. And on that, we'll end on a
1: high note. But I agree with you. I would make it actually right before Christmas. Let's do it. Let's just build it up, be magical here in Tampa Bay, you know, then you get that three, four day break, and then boom, back, ready to go. That's what they should do. Gary Bettman should call me and we'll plan it all (laughs) out, Dave. And I think that would work out really, really well. Well, and I
0: think I think they're also looking like the the games in the baseball and football stadiums are great for revenue, certainly because you can sell yeah. a lot of tickets. But I think that uh, it might have been Elliot. Actually, we're we're going to invoke the great Elliot Friedman's name again. But <laughs> I think he he said that you know there was something appealing about having it in an area where there's a tableau uh-huh. and having fans, but not as many fans. Sure. And yeah, and doing it for that. the visual, yeah. which you could certainly do here. I no mean, doubt. you could. <laughs> You could have an ice rink with the bay in the background if you wanted to, depending on where you could build it. So it would be
1: it would be phenomenal. Maybe for another time, but I thought it was interesting with the ratings. It was uh, killer ratings. So uh, good for the National Hockey League getting that done as well. All right, my friend, we will uh, talk in a few hours down talk at to you the, tonight. Uh, the rink. All right, that's Dave Michigan, Steve Ersnick producing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Get those questions in. Keep them coming. At Bolts Radio, I'm Greg Linnelli. We'll start uh, at 6 o'clock. Brian Burns, Kaylee Chelli, also breaking it down with their show, and then I've got you for the pregame at 6.30. Then Dave and Phil have the game call. The Lightning and Canes, four in a row between these two teams, and you'll listen to it all right here on Lightning Power Play.